former White House economic advisor Peter Navarro, pro-life advocate Jim Harden, loads of laughs with Shonda Pierce, Christian pop singer-songwriter Riley Clemens. That's Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Uh, thank you, everyone. You know, we are celebrating the 4th of July this long weekend. And that's something I've always done. It's something that until recently, pretty much everybody did. Rich, poor, black, white, male, female, Southerners, Northerners, urban, rural. I mean, there was just something universal in our celebration of the day that marked our Declaration of Independence as a nation. As a kid, I loved the 4th of July. It meant hamburgers and hot dogs cooked outside, and sometimes even barbecue if meat prices weren't too high that summer. Or if Joe Biden wasn't president, that's... Uh... <laughs> it also... <laughs> Ain't happening this summer. It also meant watermelon and homemade ice cream that was made with an old-fashioned hand-turned bucket. There's some folks out here in this audience who remember that. They're old, too. <laughs> it sometimes meant a trip to a public lake near my hometown. But the one thing that it was always about was believing America was a country worth celebrating. I mean... <laughs> even when there really was racism, segregation in our schools, theaters, doctor's offices, and public facilities, most people would never say they hated America. They may have hated the unfair and deplorable treatment that some Americans received, but there was a love of country. And just to let you know, I haven't changed my mind about America after all these years. I still feel blessed to live in this land, and I've never stopped celebrating July 4. I did stop turning the crank on the ice cream freezer because <laughs> By golly, it's just too easy to buy it already churned, to be honest with you. But I still love ice-cold watermelon and watching fireworks and hearing patriotic music. I love seeing the flags and banners and even going to a parade. I've been to several dozen countries on every continent. But even though I've seen some wonderful things and experienced some beautiful cultures and people, I have never been to a country and thought that I could or would trade my U.S. citizenship for life there. Not ever. Now, to be clear, protest and disagreement with the government doesn't void one's patriotism. In fact, think about it. The 4th of July is actually a celebration of the ultimate protest, an overthrow of an existing government of tyranny in order for people to live in liberty. The original July 4th was not just a protest. It was a revolution. It was a real insurrection, not like the theatrical version that Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney's little farce of a committee are breathlessly trying to scream about. 
protest and disagreement are what Fourth of July is all about. But a couple of observations. If someone in power doesn't really like your point of view, that person shouldn't have the right to cancel your voice, especially if the person deciding your free speech is some pajama-wearing 26-year-old snot working for Facebook or Twitter out of his mother's basement and sitting in front of his laptop all day with a bag of Cheetos in his lap, okay? Just shouldn't be. And it sure shouldn't be someone at the Justice Department or somebody at a school board who just doesn't like the way you think. And secondly, if you really are going to attempt to overthrow the government, you better show up with more than some flagpoles, bear spray, and funny hats. I mean, after all, you're going to be trying to overcome a government that has a standing military of 1.4 million people. And these are folks who have aircraft carriers, battleships, submarines, fighter jets, tanks, bombs, missiles, night vision equipment, attack drones, and a vast arsenal of nuclear weapons. Yeah, you might want to assess your capacity for success if your main leader is a guy who's wearing body paint and wearing a headdress made up of animal horns. <laughs> You're probably not going to make this work. So have a great 4th of July. But you might want to stick to baseball, barbecue, burgers, the beach, and band music this year. But I'll say this. Happy birthday, America. Peter Navarro is an economic expert who served four years in the Trump administration as trade advisor. He's been called, rightly so, the architect of Donald Trump's tough-on-China policies. But now, he has been charged with contempt of Congress for refusing to cooperate with the little January 6th committee probe into last year's riot at the U.S. Capitol. He was set to be with us in the studio just a few weeks ago. He was going to talk all about it. Well, he was until this happened. I was on my way to Nashville today to do a TV appearance with Mike Huckabee's show, right? And instead of coming to my door where I live, which, by the way, is right next to the FBI, instead of calling me and say, hey, we need you down at court, we've got a warrant for you, I would have gladly come. What did they do? They intercepted me getting on the plane. Well, he made it here this time. Would you please welcome to the show, Peter Navarro. Excuse, right, for not showing up, right? You know, Peter, I think the reception you got here yeah. might be just a hair better than yeah. what you got at the uh, Department yeah, of Justice, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess it was worth it. You know, I, I'll be honest. I yeah. was, we're, we're kidding, and thankfully we can joke about it now. I was outraged as to what happened to you. You live, you weren't kidding, 50 yards, 50 yards away yeah. from the FBI yeah, yeah. office, and you talked to him two days before. Yep. And they waited until you were boarding the plane to come here. 
and try to make a public spectacle of your arrest. And from the beginning, I said two things. I said, look, um, President Trump's exerted executive privilege, not mine to waive. Yeah. And it was the job of this committee to go negotiate that with the president. And I also said consistently that the only thing that that committee's trying to do, they're not trying to get to the bottom of Jan 6. No, yeah. no, no. They're just trying to build a criminal case against Donald Trump to stop him from being president in 2024, 2025. Take that to the bank. Yeah. Okay? That's all it's about. So, so they, um, they never negotiate with Trump. They never do anything. And lo and behold, I get this contempt charge. Um, and I file a civil suit on that Monday, which says, wait a minute. There's like, you've weaponized the investigatory powers of Congress. You can't do that. That's illegal. You're violating separation of powers. You're violating bills of attainder. And by the way, you're, you're destroying executive privilege, as we know. I file that, right? Yeah. So um, on Wednesday, I send a letter to the a AUSA, the, the attorney of justice. And it's like, it's really simple. It's like, I'm in a rock at a hard place. Duty and honor to my country and to the commander in chief says, yeah. I cannot waive his privilege and I'm, I have to do what I'm doing, okay? Can, can you kind of figure it out? You know, go talk to Trump. It's like, and I call this FBI agent, Walter Giordano, okay? Wednesday night, Mike. It's mm. like, he had come the week before, got me out of bed with a subpoena, right? So I'm 50 yards away yeah. from the FBI, right? I said, Walter, cordial conversation. You need anything, just, just call me. You don't have to bang on my, whatever. And it's crickets. And then... On Friday morning, I get up. It's a beautiful day. I'm looking forward to seeing Nashville. What is the place you got here, folks? I mean, <laughs> come on. Come on. It's just looking forward to seeing Nashville. And it was, to me, it was funny, like, in, in, in the most absurd kind of Kafkaesque way. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are, like, strip searched, right? Leg irons. The guy, I mean, I say this with all humility. I spent four years helping Donald Trump create hundreds of thousands of jobs. When that pandemic came on, you know, Mike, my job, I, I was on that. Yeah. We saved millions of lives with things like the China travel ban. They did that to, to, to uh, if they can do it to me, they can do it to you. Trust me on this. And the thing <laughs> about it is, Mike, it's like it's never been done yeah. to anybody in the entire history of our republic. I had a really good excuse for not showing up that day. But look at this. This is beautiful here. You know, you were worth waiting for, Peter. I want you to know. And I'm glad that they didn't bring you down here in leg irons. Because that wouldn't have been a good look for you. But we're going to keep you around because uh, we'll take a quick break. More with Peter Navarro coming right up. I don't even have to tell you not to go away because you wouldn't miss the second part of this conversation for anything. We'll be right back. Still to come, the hilarious Shonda Pierce and the inspiring music of Riley Clemens. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow AdGovMikeHuckabee on Twitter.
Welcome back. We've been talking with former assistant to President Trump and author of the upcoming book, Taking Back Trump's America. Peter Navarro, this book comes out in September, and uh, you're going to want to get a copy of it because uh, Peter writes like he talks, which is straightforward. It's what I love about him. Peter, you know, we talked about this outrageous treatment that you had, and yeah. I don't know if a lot of people fully comprehend when you talk about executive privilege. If that goes away, no president, I don't care if he's a Democrat or Republican, will ever be able to have an honest conversation with his or her staff, ever. It just will have a chilling effect on the ability to, to, to govern. The taking back Trump's America is important, Mike, because we're in a situation in this country, I, you know, I, I'm an economist by training, and I've never, ever seen a situation as dire as this economically. I don't want to frighten you folks, but, but a lot of you were old enough to remember the 70s when we were in a stagflationary crisis. And when I was with President Trump, and we had three beautiful years where we built the strongest economy in modern history, and it wasn't an accident. We did it by making sound structural changes. We had a mantra, like, you know, it was deregulations, tax cuts, that's standard Republican fare. But the really thing that was really important about what, what Trump did was the trade policies and the tariffs cracking down on China. It was strategic energy dominance where we were able to become energy independent and, and, and keep prices and gas prices low. And that was critical. And of course, a secure border. I mean, we can't, we, we, so we're having, a, so Biden comes in. One of the first things he does is he, is he undoes one of the first executive orders I wrote for the president, which was the Keystone Pipeline, right? Boom, gone in a heartbeat. So what that, taking back Trump's America does is first has a blueprint for changing the Congress in 2022 and then putting Trump back in the White House in 2024. And if we don't do that, Mike, we're, we're not going to have an economy as we know it. This is, this is a really, in a serious note, as, a, as an economist, it's a very difficult time because stagflation is the hardest problem to solve, right? It's like recession and inflation all at the same time. And that's, that's kind of where we're at. I, I think when this book is coming out, it officially comes out in September. Yeah. I know it can be pre-ordered because I pre-ordered mine the day they came and got you because I knew that part of your ability to pay lawyers was getting this book sold. So I bought mine online that day. It'll come to me in September and I hope other people will do the same. Never did I imagine in my, my, my many years of life that, I, that my, the latest book I would write would be my legal defense fund. <laughs> so, so go to Amazon and contribute. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate the yeah, fact that yeah. you were the architect. I mean, President Trump, from his very initial campaign, said we're going to stand up to China. We're not yeah. going to let him cheat on yep. trade. Yeah. So the philosophical uh, idea was, was his, but the mechanics of doing it, you were the architect of implementing that in the Trump administration. How big a deal was that, and what did that mean to the average American job? I think... Mike, the, the legacy of Donald Trump's first term, there'll be another, um, was that he, he basically woke, wakened people up to the Chinese economic aggression. You yeah. know, I, I had this, the, the seven deadly sins of China. You know, it was the counterfeiting, the piracy, the state subsidies, the currency manipulation. And as we speak today... When Biden comes in, our trade deficit with China is over a trillion dollars a year now. Mm. And that's jobs going 
offshore. I'm sad to say, yeah, you know, I went down to Nashville today. I wanted to buy a, a T-shirt, right? <laughs> I went in the T-shirt store, and I'm seeing, like, yeah. too much made. The point here, Mike, is that unless we onshore our jobs, we're not going to have the jobs, the wages, and the production power to move forward in time. And it's not just our economic security with China. It's our national security. So this was a sea change. And a lot of what's, what's what I write about in Taking Back Trump's America is that, and this surprised me, I'll be honest with you, Mike. It's like when I got to the White House, there were a lot of people inside the White House who I had to fight. Mm. Who were who were you know the Wall Street types, the traditional what we call the Rhino Republicans. They 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 love the tax cuts, they love the deregulation. But when it comes to 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 fair trade and protecting blue collar American workers and factories and jobs, um, that's a tough that's a tough sell with with uh, with with the deep swamp and things like that. So but globalism has been a disaster for American jobs. Yes. yes. I just can't thank you enough Peter for being here. I hope folks will get the book. Uh, Taking back Trump's America. It's not only a great book, but it's also going to give you insight into why the policies that President Trump implemented worked and why we need to return to them. You can also find all of Peter's links including what I just mentioned, how to pre-order his new book. If you go to Huckabee.tv, we'll take you right to the place to do it. Peter, thank you for coming. Thank, what thank a you pleasure all. having this you is, here. This is a great experience, man. I'm, I, I just turned down start the bucket list now. <laughs> These guys are great. This is heaven here. We love I'm not going to move. I'm going to stick around. No, we want you to come back. <laughs> Keith Bilbrey is standing by. He's going to tell us what's coming up on the rest of the show tonight. Here's Keith. Well, hold on to your side. Shonda Pierce is in the house. And still ahead, Pro-Life Pregnancy Center CEO Jim Harden. some energy in this room tonight in part because we have the greatest band in America, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Would you give them a nice hand? Now, we are more proud of them, I guess, than we even can begin to tell you because something has happened recently that we just kind of want to shout from the housetops. Our own Trey Corley, his brother Paul, have both won a Grammy for their engineering of C.C. Winans' uh, wonderful album. That's the Grammy Award. That's the real deal, people, right over there. <laughs> Big hand for Trey Corley, a Grammy winner. Thank you very much, sir. We're proud of you. It's actually his second Grammy. That's what's amazing. And he's been nominated like seven times. He should have won it all of those times. I but lost to you a few times. And that's, that's pretty exciting. I, I'll know that. So we'll say... Here is a guy who got a whammy out of his Grammy. <laughs> yes, he did. Speaking of a whammy, I'm always thrilled when this lady can join us. She is the RIAA's best-selling female comedian of all time. 
from anybody. And she's not only hilarious, she just happens to be one of my very favorite people. Would you please welcome back to our show, the one and only Shonda Pierce. I'm a little ticked off, but I did get arrested on the way here. <laughs> Just kidding. Wasn't that an amazing story? I, too, have been to the White House. I did not get arrested. I wasn't there January 6th, as far as you know. <laughs> this is true, y'all. I, I love the previous administration. I got invited a lot. This one, it's not the White House. It's the nearest retirement center in D.C., so... <laughs> I call it assisted living for politicians. <laughs> Y'all bless him, Lord. I know we're supposed to pray for our leaders, but I, and I do for him, that when he wakes up from a nap and someone tells him, did you know you're the president? <laughs> He'll be so surprised. Is there a Democrat in here? I just heard, I heard someone boo a little bit. <laughs> out, get out, get out. No, actually, first time I went to the White House, I was very, very excited. And I only went, really, because, one, I'm a kid from Tennessee. I grew up with, you know, very little, and I got a chance to go to the White House. And so my girlfriends came over and helped me practice the forts because I'd never been to a fancy dinner like that. <laughs> and that is why, let me tell you something, that's why there's so many people that were working there. They had more silverware. They, you know, they have all these forks and knives and forks and knives. And I, this is how I know God was okay with me being there is because when I found my little name tag in my seat, there was one fork. <laughs> now, there was a little spoon and a little fork at the top of the plate, but I put those in my handbag because I didn't know what they were for. <laughs> And then there were so many people there and big shot people and important people and I was trying to sneak a picture and you're not supposed to use your cell phone so that was really scary so I cut a hole in my napkin and then <laughs> people thought I had a bad sinus infection. <laughs> Thank goodness it was before COVID and so it was just amazing. And then what's so hilarious, you know, they, they uh, had like eight glasses. We didn't even practice the glasses. They had a water goblet and a tea goblet and all, I mean, all these glasses. And I, they had something for white and red, Jesus juice, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so they had all that. And I didn't know what to choose. And I was the very first one at my table. So you know you don't want to get embarrassed. So, I, so they came to, would you like water? And I said, yes. And I, and I was like, you can touch it. I don't care. <laughs> because I didn't know which one was the water goblet. And then he came with tea, and I said, oh, yes, I'll have that too. I didn't know what you're supposed to ask for with what we were having. I didn't know. And then they had the red and the white, and I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> and then they had, like, the adult coffee and then the little, little baby coffee cup, you know. And I, they put something in all of those glasses, and I drank every bit of it. <laughs> Don't be judging, don't be judging. But then I had to pee so bad, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> and when the president's in the room, when President Trump was in the room, you couldn't leave because you're supposed to be safety or something like that, or maybe they think you're going to steal something. And so 
I, I, you know, I waited as long as I could, and then that man with a little earpiece standing by the door, really important, and I said, I am so sorry. I, I need to be excused for a minute. I got to pee like a Russian racehorse. <laughs> and he said, ma'am, please don't say Russian while you're here. <laughs> or you'll get arrested. Yeah, it was just, it was amazing. I went and I loved my trip. I had two pairs of Spanx on so I would look good in my new suit. I'm not wearing them now because I don't care about this White House. So, <laughs> they probably don't care about me either. It was just amazing. And then I got in the cabin. I headed back to the hotel and I felt so important and so great. And, and they asked me, said, oh, where have you been tonight? And I said, the White House. And an hour later, I was in Jersey because a Democrat, Democrat was driving the cab. <laughs> it was not a fun trip to get back to DC. So I just told him, I was a Kennedy. Can you give me a ride across the river? <laughs> too soon, too soon. Well, the young people out there, they're like, what is she talking about? Y'all, what a great country we have. I love it because as a comedian, tonight I got to speak my mind and no one in the audience slapped me. God bless America. Good to see you. Uh. Yeah, don't slap me. Isn't it sad when now that even the comedians are getting taken down? That's really... It's it is scary. Have you ever been threatened or thought somebody was going to rush the stage and uh, come at only you? Only by, like, a mother and a couple of cousins. <laughs> Your own My family. My pastors wanted to hook me every now and then. You know? <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I don't get hecklers much. I've been doing this 27, almost 30 years, wow. actually, 29 years. And uh, I don't get heckled much, you know. But I do get a lot of email that I'm going to hell, so... <laughs> Do you heckle your audience? Some comedians. Absolutely. Okay, I thought so. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know if that lady booed. She could have just sneezed. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you have like to be careful. Either. Yeah, you have to be careful. You know, it is It is interesting. I used to make jokes about, you know, uh, older people. Not, this is terrible, but my grandmother was older, and she's the meanest Christian I ever met in my life. <laughs> I never wanted what she had. Mean. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean mean Christian. <laughs> I know someone came to mind in your church when I said that right there. <laughs> I mean, my grandmother was 98 when she died, and it, my mother put the word fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> my grandmother put the word fun in funeral because it was time. It, <laughs> she's the meanest Christian. You ever known somebody make you get your own switch and beat you and quote scripture the whole time? <laughs> there are verses in the Bible I can't stand to listen to them because I get, break out in a sweat. Reminds me of my grandmother, but yeah, she's mean, and she never wore makeup, never wore lipstick, anything. She's godly, and she always had her hair wound up, you know, like the Tower of Babel. But uh, she's got, she's ugly, but she was godly. She's. <laughs> I wanted to sell Mary Kay to her Sunday school class, but they never would let me. So, <laughs> and so she heckled me a lot. She didn't know what it was. I think she's really hacking, maybe coughing and dying. I'm not sure, but. <laughs> Obviously, somebody loves you, Shonda, because 
You've been out on the road. Yes. Every date you have is sold out. I know. Can you believe? Not in the new tour. Y'all get out there. That's great. No, you don't. Seriously. Thank you very much. It's really disgraceful. I'm trying to retire and people are interfering. (laughs) But I'm trying to pave my road so I need to work another tour. But all that... That was funny. Nobody laughed. (laughs) But all that to say, you know, I will say this. The people who are interested in comedy and, and love comedy, I have never missed out on anything because of staying clean and honoring God. And I never end a show that doesn't walk past the cross of Christ, that doesn't tell people who Jesus is. And I think, I don't know, but God has blessed me for that. I I may not ever be on. I think so too. I won't won't be on Jimmy Fallon or some of those late night places where comedics, you know, comedians go. And I I used to lament that, to be honest. I said, well, that's not fair just because I'm clean and Christian and and God has been so good to me. The Bible says, if you will stand up for me, I will stand up for you. Mm. And I would rather have his approval. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this, you're always welcome here. And I hope that people, if they have not seen you in person in one of your concert tours, I know you'll be back on the road this fall. She is back on the road and making America laugh again. And boy, do we ever need it. Yes. You want to get her tour schedule and... Here's how to do it, to get her tour schedule and all the other opportunities to find out about Shonda. If you go to our website, Huckabee.tv, we have a link to everything, including her tour schedule. Get your tickets early, because if you don't, you won't get to go, because it will sell out for a reason it's worth going to. (laughs) Right now, Keith Bilbrey, he's over laughing so hard. Calm down, Keith, and just tell us what's coming up. Whoa. Well, next, Mike talks with pro-life pregnancy center advocate Jim Hart. And later, a behind-the-scenes peek at the biggest fireworks show around. All ahead on Huckabee. Welcome back. Now, in the wake of the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade, abortion activists have promised violent retribution. And they've already vandalized, even firebombed a handful of pro-life pregnancy centers all over the country. And you probably haven't heard too much about it in the news, have you? Well, my next guest is the CEO of Compass Care in Buffalo, New York. And his pregnancy center was one of those attacked by these extremists. Please welcome to the show, Reverend Jim Harden. Jim, great having you here. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, Governor. Thank you very much. I I don't get it. I I understand people are very passionate, and there are people who are pro-abortion, and they're very angry about the Supreme Court decision, which, by the way, was not about abortion. It was about the process of whether or not the court could federalize a law or whether it should be in the states. It really wasn't about the issue. But why attack a service that is provided to women for pregnancy testing, to help mothers with formula and diapers. That's what you guys do. It makes no sense to us why we were attacked uh, and why there's been over 60 attacks nationwide. Um, You know, that's all we do is we try to 
help women who are facing a crisis, uh, and we give them ethical medical care and comprehensive community support, um, and we do it all for free. Not a single dime is given to us by the state or federal government, and, uh, and yet we are targeted by Jane's Revenge. Jane's Revenge is this um, pro-abortion terrorist group that took responsibility for our firebombing, and their motto is, if abortion isn't safe, then neither are you. That's pretty scary, Jim. I mean, you had to even think about your family's safety, right? Yeah, we, we had to relocate due to threats of intimidation for what they call doxing, trying to find out where the leaders live. And, and uh, You had to move your family out of your home and go find another place to live yes, because of actually, the threats. It's one of the reasons why we're, we're able to be here today is because uh, of, of, of that uh, situation. What did they do to your clinic in Buffalo? Well, on, on June 7th, early in the morning, I got a call from my, my, my regional executive in Buffalo, and he said, uh, well, there's smoke emanating from the facility. When the police and fire rescue arrived, they found that the glass was broken uh, in, the, in the windows and the fires were lit. Um, and uh, devastating, uh, catastrophic damage. And on the, the side of the building was the signature scrawling of Jane's revenge saying, Jane was here. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, it was, it was devastating. We, we saw the face of abortion that day. That was, that was the sulfur of wickedness. You use the word, and I think appropriately, abortion terrorists, because that's what these folks are. These are not just people who are angry. These are people who are taking to violence and destruction. This goes beyond sophomoric vandalism. Oh. This is the kind of thing that could get someone killed. Exactly, and it's, it's, it's dangerous, it's violent, and they've, they've escalated their threats. Not, and not, not a single person has been arrested yet. Um, and the, no one. No one has been arrested across this country. And uh, to add insult to injury, New York Governor Hochul signed a bill six days after we were firebombed investigating us, not the arsonists. Why investigate you? Uh, because we're in some kind of dystopian novel, I guess. I don't know. I, you know, they're, they're, the only reason that they're, they want to investigate pro-life pro centers like us is because we don't provide a refer for abortion. Uh, that's it. That's all. And, 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 it, it, it's, and the thing about it was, when she signed the bill, she was a press conference, and she, when she signed the bill, she called us Neanderthals. I mean, it's, it's, this, it's the strangest phenomenon in our country today. She hasn't allocated, this country has not allocated any additional state or federal resources to protect pro-life people. They're not, um, you know, providing equal protection under the law. Jim, there's never been a constitutional right to an abortion. And by the way, it wasn't ended. No. Your state of New York will probably have more abortions than before. Well, that's exactly right. Um, there, so New York State is the abortion capital of the United States of America. More abortions per capita in New York than anywhere else in the country. And, uh, and, and when, when Roe was reversed, thousands of abortion appointments were canceled and the, the, the abortion empire business model changed overnight. And so what they're going to do is this hub and spoke business model and fly women in from conservative states to uh, states like New York. And they're going to use taxpayer dollars to, to fund the travel expenses and the abortions of these women. And our job is to continue to expand the infrastructure, pro-life infrastructure, to, to reach and serve these women before they travel or when they get to New York. I find it amazing many major corporations, including of all people, Disney, says they will pay for their employees to fly to places like New York to have an abortion. Are they also going to pay for their employees to go and pick up a baby they want to adopt? No, it's a double standard. This is this is this is uh, absolutely ridiculous. And it, it uh, the, the politicians, the, there's pro-abortion politicians, and, and it seems like uh, they're promoting the abortion industry. That their tools, the abortion industry. And I, I want to point out something, Jim. Most of the abortion clinics run by groups like Planned Parenthood are in African American neighborhoods. 
African-American babies are disproportionately aborted. And in New York, more black babies are aborted than are born. Exactly. That's hard to even get my arms around. In, in, in the not-too-distant future horizon, the black community will be devastated. It will not exist if this keeps up. That is just frightening. But thank God what you're doing, and you're still doing it, even in the face of the kind of danger and threats that you face. We're grateful for that. Please head over to Huckabee.tv. Get more information on Jim Harden and Compass Care. They're doing great work. They don't get a dime from the state or federal government. They only get support from folks like you. So I hope you'll help them. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to give us some more good news. Well, coming up, what it takes to create a world-class fireworks show. And later, the heart-stirring music of Riley Clemens. shop.huckabee.tv to get your very own made in the USA Huckabee mugs, t-shirts, and more. On July the 4th, downtown Nashville is going to be the site of Let Freedom Sing. It is a huge musical celebration, naturally, and this year it's going to be touting the biggest fireworks show in Music City history. Pyro Shows has been creating these spectacular fireworks presentations for over 50 years. You probably have no idea how complicated it is to put one of these on. So here's a peek behind the curtain at how they make it happen. A large fireworks show, like the one in Nashville, takes a lot of time, effort, and preparation, a lot of people. In fact, it may be a lot more complicated than you think. First, we talk to the symphony, and we try to pick out all the music that we need that matches the, the script uh, for what we want to shoot for the sponsor and pick out what kind of fireworks. Secondly, uh, we may take our ideas from the script and then go to our computer and create a, a computer-generated image to see if we like what we see. If it passes inspection, it goes to the scripter. The scripter picks out the product that we're going to use, and the scripter sends it to the packing supervisor or coordinator. He decides where all those fireworks are and gives a packing order or a packing list for the people out in the field. Then it goes to the packers. The packers are in the magazines. Those are the buildings where we store explosives, and they've been approved by the federal government for what we use them for. So those guys are in the back where all of the explosives are, picking out the individual shells that will provide the best show we can do. Next, the paperwork is sent down to the shop uh, where crew select all of the equipment that's gonna be needed for each individual show. Other things are going on at the same time, such as preparing all the equipment, building the trailers that we would use, loading the, the mortars on top of the trailers, covering them for bad weather, and packing all of the electronics that we use to shoot the show. At the same time that's being done, our human resources department is checking the credentials of all of the people who are going to be on the job site because everyone has to be cleared by the federal government to handle explosives. All of that preparation is just the first act of a long story. 
We have 15 trailers, we have several box vans, a lot of people, a lot of trucks. They all gotta go to the big show and start a 10 day preparation period. We work almost around the clock every day preparing for the big show. And then it's showtime. And there's nothing more American than a great fireworks show. I love it when a good plan comes together. That is some fireworks. Please welcome to the show, president and CEO of Pyro Shows, Lanson Hill. Lanson, welcome. It's good to have you Thank here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's amazing how much there is in putting on a fireworks show. This one that you have coming up in Nashville, you've got to synchronize the explosion of all these fireworks with the Nashville Symphony. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Uh, the Nashville show is, is certainly one of the largest and most prestigious shows in the country. And I think that one of the things that makes this show so different is the symphony, it's the skyline, it's the people. Uh, I think we do a pretty good job too. And, and you've done these at the White House, you've done them all over the world, Taiwan, the Middle East, but this is gonna be a big one. But let's look at this stuff because I'm trying to figure out what have you got here? <laughs> well, first of all, they're inert. Uh, we call them dummy shells, but you know, it's because it's me. Uh, but the, um, so if we lift these up, it's not going to blow up. I hope not. I hope not, too. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> these are all uh, samples of uh, aerial shells. The smallest one is three inches in diameter, about the size of a baseball. Uh, professional fireworks that are shot from mortars like these go up about 100 feet per shell inch. So the three-inch shells go up 300 feet, 400, 500, 600, 800. The largest shell that we uh, use on the Nashville show is a 10-inch shell. Uh, you can see it's bigger than a basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll uh, achieve an altitude of about 1,000 feet. Wow. And so part of the, uh, the design process is to have aerial layering. So you have low fireworks, medium altitude fireworks, and high fireworks all at the same time, with the largest fireworks being the exclamation points. All of the choreography and, and deciding where the fireworks will be exploding is done by computer. Um, but one of the things that makes this show so special is we are uh, uh, subordinate to the symphony. Uh, the symphony, if they play fast, we have to shoot fast. If they play so <laughs> slow, we have to shoot slow. So at the end of the day, the symphony is playing, the conductor is conducting, our people are following the score and they're over with the symphony, calling the cues back to eight of us that are inside a steel box that we call a bunker. We never see the show. Trust me, we feel it. Oh, I bet we you don't do. See it. Well, I, I want to, first of all, thank you. And I got to tell you, I'm so impressed with how you do it because if it were me, I'd load them all up in a big pile. I'd throw a match in there and I'd run like the Dickens <laughs> is what I'd do. And I'd see one heck of a fireworks show all at one time. But I know our audience would like a more sophisticated show and they can get it and learn more about Nashville's Let Freedom Sing. It's the July 4th Spectacular. You want to know more about it? Of course you do. Go to Huckabee.tv. We're going to connect you, but we won't line you up with the fuse. Speaking of fuses, Keith is going to light the fuse and tell us what is about to explode on this firecracker of a show. Well, up next, we're going to light the sky with Christian music star Riley Clement right here on Huckabee.
Don't miss Huckabee next week with Prager U's Dennis Prager and Christian pop supergroup, The Newsboys. At the tender age of 22, my next guest has racked up, get ready for this, over 280 million streams of her music. And she's also the K-Love Fan Awards Youngest Ever Female Artist of the Year nominee. Her new album is called God Send. She's appearing July 30th at the Giant Life Fest Music City Christian Music Festival in Bon Aqua, Tennessee. That's Johnny Cash's personal private hideaway a beautiful piece of property. It's going to be a wonderful event. Would you please give a very warm welcome to somebody you're going to hear a lot about in the coming years and months, Riley Clemens. Riley, good to have you here. Well, it's great to be here. Your trajectory is on the way up. I mean, that's... uh, to say that was quite the glowing introduction. Well, Thank no, you. I mean, I'm pretty impressed. 280 million streams, you're 22 years old. There are people who have been in the business 50 years would like to have that kind of uh, track record going on right now. Hey, God has been good. I've been very blessed to have incredible people in my life. I would say that's the biggest thing. Even being so young, it's been so much about the people. When did you first say, I want to be a, I want to be a singer. I want to do Christian music and, and be a singer. When that start? I fell in love with the passion of music that's rooted in the gospel. Uh, mm. From really early on, my mom was in the choir at church. I would always listen to her warm up her voice. I felt something there that, that was anointed, and I leaned in. That must have been an incredible experience, though, to be the youngest ever nominated for a K-Love Award. Was that the big deal that I would think it would be? It was, it's mostly so wild to me because I gr- I've grown up going to see that show. Yeah. So I remember my mom and I went one year and um, a few years later, I took her as my first date to the show. So uh-huh. it was, it was really sweet. You're going to also debut at the Grand Ole Opry July 23rd. Yeah. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking that's a big deal. How cool is that? This Nashville kid <laughs> is so stoked. I mean, I've grown up here my whole life. The Opry has been so, uh, it's been something you look up to. It's the mothership of all music. It I mean, really let's face it. is. It is. It really is. And so it's truly an honor to get to be a part of what the Opry's doing and preserving the integrity of Music City and what that means. So mm-hmm. I'm honored. I have a feeling, Riley, you're going to be a big part of the music scene in Nashville and the rest of the world. So we're going to keep our eyes on you. There's no doubt that wherever the top is, Riley Clemens is on her way there. I believe that with all my heart. So Riley is gonna prepare to perform. Keith is gonna tell the people how they can keep up with Riley Clemens and get ready for Life Fest that'll be coming up real soon. Just go to Huckabee.tv to find her tour schedule, her new album, Godsend, and tickets to the Life Fest Music City Festival. Now, performing for the good with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, Here's Riley Clemens. We can bend my burdens, make them beautiful. Who can bring the healing to the hurt I hold? Who else could pop the waters when I'm needed away? 
I'm walking through the valley. I believe when you say, do y'all believe it tonight? I believe when you say. Walking through 